You're about to enjoy this replay of the Sons of UCF Live brought to you by Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Today, I want to talk more about Dariga, a company that's revolutionizing the way businesses tackle one of their most critical challenges, finding the right talent. Dariga stands out for the groundbreaking approach to recruitment, which is really more like matchmaking. They also have deep-rooted ties to UCF. Ray Bazzi, their founder, is a UCF alum who actually started the company based on a class project during his MBA program. Also, their commitment to UCF runs deep. 95% of their employees are UCF graduates. Many companies turn to Dariga, and you should too. To find out more, go to nightrecruiting.com. That's night with a K to learn more about Dariga. Dariga, matching your company with the right talent. Hello, Night Nation. Trey Strolko here. Welcome into Sons of UCF Live, joined by Andrew Jericho sitting in for the on assignment, Adam Eaton. Andrew, welcome into Sons Live. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy, super happy to be here. Happy to be back. Uh, interrupted you. You've only been mentioning it at every basketball game. Are, are you ever going to have me on live again? I, every single game, I was asking Trace. So, what is my like my next live appearance? I, I've I've done a lot. I was like, this is I love this. I love this. So I'm super happy to be here. Well, we're talking uh, some football, some baseball. You're going to be covering baseball for us in addition to all the great work you've been doing on men's basketball. And then, uh, of course, uh, we're talking about UCF men's basketball back home after struggling on the road with losses at Texas Tech and BYU. So we've got plenty to talk about tonight, plus some giveaways. We've got tickets to the baseball home opener. Stay tuned for that. And as well, the basketball game on Saturday. You only have to do one thing, which is like us a lot and give us a five-star review. That's not too complicated, is it? Not at all. Not at all. This is honestly the easiest all. thing I've ever done. Well, we got some uh, breaking news this Thursday, a new football hire. Welcoming in Jarris McIntyre, Director of High School Relations under Gus Malzahn. Now, what do you think of that title? Now, that's a title, right? It absolutely is. I mean, when you have a guy who's specific for a job, and he's going to be going out there recruiting. I mean, how much better can it get? How, that is, if that's what he's doing, that's the job title right there. Right. I mean, he's meeting and greeting. He's getting to know coaches. He's traveling and visiting with student athletes and high schools throughout Florida and elsewhere. Pretty good gig. Welcome to him. We talked a little bit about this next topic on uh, Around the Kingdom, which you can find on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Fan duels over or under eight and a half wins, but I wanted to get your perspective. You know, expectations are pretty high for the Knights going into the 2024 season. I happen to be of the belief, Andrew, though, that Gus Malzahn has averaged four losses during his career. So I take the under, but what about you? So I've been I've been contemplating it a lot, honestly, uh, looking at it, going over the schedule. I mean, we know Arizona is an expected win, of course undefeated in the space game, but I think I'm going to offer what you love to say, the hopium. I'm going to go with the hope. I'm going to go with the over. <laughs> Nine wins is doable. It absolutely is. And with you have guys like RJ Harvey returning, one of the better running backs in the Big 12, all of college football. You have playmakers coming in all over. Gus made sure to prioritize the transfers and getting some new linebackers. And last but not least, KJ Jefferson. I mean, this guy is one of the most best players in one of the best quarterbacks coming into the conference and it's been absolutely great to see the transfer process for for Gus. 
Well, speaking of the transfers, there was media availability with the transfers, and you got to as many as you could. It's not a very big window. What did you think of that, though? A little bit of a different media opportunity than you've had to cover so far. I mean, absolutely. It was a great time getting to go one-on-one and speaking with many of the players. Um, And Gus had mentioned that he wanted experienced guys. Usually the transfer portal, he would have guys coming in and with uh, new commits, he would have those guys stepping up. But he made sure that transfers, experienced transfers, were the guys that he wanted and that he did. I mean, first you got Ladarius Tennyson, D-back from Ole Miss. He says he loves to he loves to hit. He's fast and he got, he has all of the fundamentals to be a great player. He said he does need to work on his man coverage a little bit. He said his own coverage is great. But just one of the few guys. <laughs> he that, said he said his own coverage was great. He bragged. He did. He did. He said his own coverage. His own coverage was was great. But man coverage, not so much. That he said he was working on. And the other guy I spoke to was Gordy Lawrence, a transfer from FSU. He has a lot of potential to come into this lineup, and I would say almost play an Xavier Townsend role that mm. Xavier played last year. Um, going in and getting some jet sweeps, some quick little dump offs and being able to excel. He compared himself to, I believe, Jamar Chase. So he highly relies on his speed and route running. When it was great talking with him, he was in a bit of a rush. He had to go to class directly after uh, being able to speak with him. So I was happy to be able to get that word with him. And then I spoke with Dalen Donson, Dotson, transfer from UM Martin, defensive end. And he honestly, I think is going to be one of the better transfers coming in to UCF. He's one of those guys that um, is going to get to the quarterback consistently because he was talking about his ability to not to go to get to the quarterback and then not be gassed the next play, but rather have more energy going in. So he says every after every play I get to the quarterback, it energizes me more, which I found almost great to hear. Like, how's this guy ever going to get off the field if he doesn't get if he doesn't hit the quarterback? Um, I'll tell you what, you're pretty comfortable asking people about their shoes, too. I am. I mean, I love sneakers myself. I mean, looking at my closet back there, I probably have like how many pairs? I would say I can't name it off the top of my head. I've been collecting since I was 16, but I think around 10, 10 pairs and Jordans, uh, Jordans and Yeezys combined. Yeah, I love. I love By the way, them. I like how you say that. I've been collecting since I was 16 for the for the purposes of the audience here. How old are you now, Andrew? I am 20 years old. So OK, so you haven't been at this. You haven't been at this for too long. No, I haven't. But I've I've definitely been going down a deep spiral with my addiction as of late. Which <laughs> Everybody has their own thing. Spiral. Mine is sneakers. I mean, at least I can say one thing. I'm not sure who's going to find this one. But they don't get dirty. They don't. My sneakers stay pristine and clean all the time. <laughs> your your shoe game is is always strong. You can find Andrew's uh, interviews right now on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Uh, again, uh, he pinch hit. You're very comfortable. You're, you're taking over more real estate. You're showing up at football. You're already on the men's basketball beat. Getting ready for baseball. Speaking of baseball, a little breaking news. Uh, big donation. $100,000 from former Knights pitcher Jamie Douglas, a Knight from 2002 to 2004, along with his wife, Anne-Marie. He was an Angels draft pick back in the day. Earmarking it for baseball is, uh, that's that's pretty big. That is. I mean, that's a lot of money. And it, baseball is one of those sports that can use that funding anywhere around, rather it be players, rather it be the venue, rather it be improving the player uh, services. I mean, that's that money is going to be huge for them for these next few years. 
Well, of course, that comes on the heels of opening night. The night's opening with Bryant, Friday, February 16th, 6 o'clock. Ben Vespi is tabbed as the Friday night starter. Now, if you're paying attention to the weather in Central Florida, there's threats of it on Saturday. Uh, night scheduled at 6 o'clock with Tyler Nesbitt, the Gator transfer. Sunday, 1 o'clock with Dom Stagliano. Sunday doesn't look good at all, Andrew. Uh, the Knights are talking about changing up the schedule. You might see them move up Saturday, see if they could get in a doubleheader. Uh, yeah. You know, they're not going to go on to uh, on the, any Monday action. So we'll see how many games. Friday looks good, though, for opening night. Uh, and then they're uh, Wednesday at Miami. Knights, of course, projected 10th in the Big 12. What do you think about that expectation? Um, I mean, first things first, that's why it's a great thing to watch the Suns of UCF because a guy like me, I never checked the weather. I don't remember the last time I have. Like, the I weather, never checked the weather. I, it's, it's been rough. It's been I wake up, go outside with whatever I learned. But I feel like number 10 for the Knights is fair. You know, they were a very middle-of-the-pack team, sometimes had – bad games, sometimes had good games. One thing that they were last season was a lot of power hitting. And thank you to Emptiness for the beautiful article. Got me a little bit caught up. Uh, but he was uh, I, a lot of power, much power last year. But that was lost during this, uh, this new building season of this team. There's more, I would say, even around team. I would say there's a lot more guys who are going to get on base as opposed to hit single home runs. Um so that is definitely important part. There are some key guys coming to the team, though, returning and transfers. You have Andrew Sundin, who had a three point, uh, who had a point three forty batting average. You have uh, he was a catcher. You had Lex Bodeker, who was an infielder. He had sixteen home runs, and you have two of the better bullpen arms coming in, in all of UCF coming back. You have Najir Victor, who had a two point eighty eight ERA right handed bullpen pitcher, and you had Kyle Kramer. 3.96 ERA right-handed bullpen pitcher. So there are a few great guys coming back and that are going to excel the team, but it's just everybody else who's coming in. It's a lot of unknown right now. You mentioned Victor and Kramer, named to the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association preseason stopper of the year watch list. I know UCF Mike is just a big fan of the watch list for football. They got him for baseball too. Uh, options out of the bullpen for uh, new head coach, former UCF player, Rich Wallace. So uh, night's opening up on Friday. We're giving away a pair of tickets and uh, they are courtesy uh, of Tony Feudo, uh, OJT Feuds, F-E-U-D-Z on Twitter. Uh, they are for Saturday's game. Of course, you'll have to work that out with Tony. He'll transfer the tickets to you. All we are asking is that you give the Sons of UCF a five-star review and screen capture that, DM me at SignPez, S-E-I-N-P-E-Z, your five-star review of the Sons of UCF. And uh, we've got a pair of tickets for this Saturday game. Of course, what time that game is, I'm not quite sure, but if you've got flexible schedule, uh, then uh, that opportunity for you on uh, on Saturday for the tickets. So just DM me your uh, screen capture of your five-star review. Uh, so baseball, uh, kicking off, uh, getting ready to go. Uh, and I wanna thank, you mentioned Michael earlier, emptiness uh, with his new column covering the Knights, uh, the cup check report. I don't know if that was his idea <laughs> absolutely or fantastic. Adam's idea, but Michael did such a great job uh, following the Knights and reporting on it via Twitter last year. Glad to have him part of the team. Uh, and uh, follow him on Twitter at Emptiness4, and we'll be posting his uh, reports on the Sons of UCF 
uh, website as well. Uh, men's basketball had a media availability with head coach Johnny Dawkins uh, today. Knights reeling now a little bit, two straight losses. They've got the uh, loss of Texas Tech, another close game. And then how about that one, 90 to 88 the other night at BYU. Uh, we're going to talk to Ben Hazel in a few moments about that. Uh, but the Knights recognize they they have to play for 40 minutes. They still are, are struggling to finish out games. It was exciting, though. They were down a good bit, and they rallied with a late run, but they fall two points short in Provo. Yeah, I mean, that's been the common theme this whole season with UCF men's basketball. They can't put two halves together. I mean, you go to the press conference after the game, Seller says it, Coach says it, Everybody says it. This team struggles putting two halves together. And it's a problem because you can't play every game from behind. I mean, we have seen it. This team is capable of coming back. Big deficits, too, happened against Kansas, almost happened against BYU, a huge deficit. But it's impossible to win every game like that. It's not great. And those games where UCF takes the lead early and they maintain it, those are dominant wins. Those are what you want to see. But, yes, the comeback from behind win is fun and it shows adversity. It shows perseverance. But it's not ideal basketball, and it's not going to get many wins, as you see now, back-to-back losses. 13-10, and 10, Andrew, 4-7 and seven in the AAC. We're going to talk to Ben about this in a little while, but it feels like must win on Saturday against the Bearcats. Absolutely. I mean, you have a tough, tough schedule coming up. And even though Cincinnati is a tough team, they are one of the more beatable teams on our schedule Thankfully, after them, West Virginia. But like, again, no team is an easy one in the Big 12. This is the best conference in all of college basketball. It has been every game has been madness. If you've been tuning in to other teams, games, upsets left and right. So this is absolutely a must win. And it is a must win if you want to keep the tournament hopes alive. That is very quickly diminishing. Yeah, we talked about it when they were four and five that we thought they needed to get to eight wins. Uh, So... Uh, if you still believe that they have to get to eight uh, and, and what is that for seven games left, you know, that's, that's wow. tough. It, it begins though Saturday uh, with Cincinnati at four o'clock. We've got tickets for that one as well to give away. We'll talk about that after we bring in Ben. I see him in the waiting room. It is time. I, I was hoping he would be wearing a bow tie. Let's bring in Ben Hazel, a former UCF development coach for the Knights. Ben, I, I prefer you in the bow tie. Me too, man. Me too. But we don't deserve it. I've always was, come from the elk of you don't deserve nice things when you don't win. So, you know, we're uh, we're in the trenches right now. We got to dress like it. <laughs> well, let's talk about these two games. You know, we've been going with the, the one and one split there uh, for some weeks, but 0-2, the loss at Lubbock and then the loss in Provo. I, a, a bright spot, though, at the game at Texas Tech was the return of C.J. Walker. He is a difference when he's on the court. Yeah, great addition. I mean, with his skill set, uh, his his maturity, it always helps, and you see it immediately once he touches the floor. And you heard from uh, players today, including Jalen Sellers and head coach Shadi Dawkins. There's just a couple of things in each of these games. It's the difference between winning and losing. You see it. It's just the margin of error in the Big 12, just not much of it. You cannot go in as they did in Provo, 14 of 26 from the line, when BYU was going 40 of 46. So well, you remember a game with 46 free throw attempts by a team? No, I don't. But, I mean, typically when you're playing a defensive team, you end up shooting a lot more free throws, especially at home. So I wasn't too shocked by it. But I was 
uh, a little disappointed with the margin. And I, I kind of put that on on us for why that margin was so big as far as free throw attempts. Um, what we're seeing is just the second time around seeing guys and how much tougher it is uh, when you do see the team for the second time. Um, that was the part that was a little kind of made me a little upset in my old coach hat um, just because we know BYU doesn't handle pressure well. They didn't handle it well when we played them at home. Uh, but it took about 30 minutes for us to understand that they don't handle pressure well and really turn it up to the level that would make us successful. And, and we acted as if we didn't know that going into the game. So we know what it takes to win games. It's, it's going to take the full 40 minutes. I mean, especially as we go into the second half, it's going to take literally the full 40 minutes. Ben, super happy to have you on. I've been, for the past couple of weeks, nagging Trace for, let me talk basketball with Ben. I want to get on. To <laughs> I'll just sit back and let you guys talk. <laughs> so uh, last game, Mills Mahosky got some minutes later in the game, and he showed potential. I mean, I feel like personally, from my perspective, this team's problem is not defense. They have enough defensive guys in the interior. So I feel like what coach might be worried about, Mills, is that his defensive capability might not be able to sustain his style. But at what point do you make that sacrifice for Nils getting in there, given the offense that he provides? I'll let you know when it happens. When guys, when he comes in the game and the entire team doesn't go like this, that's when he'll be able to play more. I mean, we know he's actually an addition for us and brings a look that we need. He can shoot the ball. And he's really poised. He's really poised on the offensive end. He has trouble handling pressure, so that's one thing that I know kind of holds him back when we play teams like Houston, uh, Texas Tech teams that pick you up. He has a little bit of trouble there. So if he can handle that pressure and really just handle himself in ISO situations where guys aren't just kind of really trying to pick on him, uh, he'll be able to play. But that's really what's holding him back. BYU was a great – I was really happy for him just because – it wasn't a team that really takes advantage of you in those ways where they're going to ISO you, where they're going to pick you up full. So he was able to really kind of get into his groove and actually kind of show what he's capable of doing. So now he knows the blueprint to play. It's just those two areas, I think, are the two specific areas uh, where I he has trouble. And if you can imagine practice, uh, Coach Dawkins is playing our style. So he's having Darius and Jalen pick him up full court. So um, once he can handle that, I think he'll get in the game. Absolutely. And last game you saw in the second half, 62 points in the half against BYU, forcing 11 turnovers. What is it going to take for the team to do that the whole game? I mean, why is it that they only play better in the second half? It's because we're not pure shooters, right? Like you can put a J.J. Redick on any court and nine times out of ten, you kind of know what it's going to look like as far as how his jump shot's going to go. We don't have that. We have guys that can make shots in the flow. And that's why I was really disappointed with kind of how reserved we were on the defensive end, especially in the first half. It's like that's how that leads to our offense. And people talk about it from a points, a turnovers, scoring off of turnovers. But that's not the only way that it helps your team. Like when you're in the flow, when you get what Coach Dawkins would say, get lost in the fight. You're so worried about just trying to stop this guy, trying to score on him, trying to make the next play that you don't think about the fact that you're not necessarily the greatest shooter. You just think about doing your best to try to make that shot, and that's when we play our best. It just sometimes takes us a little while to kind of get into that mode. I keep thinking of how many times I've got you in my head now saying that if the Knights get to 70 points, that's going to be a win. If I told you 88, you'd be I like, ah, oh, they won by 20 or more. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's just been a wild ride in the Big 12. What can I say? 
Well, and, and the difference in these games, right? Now UCF's at a point in the schedule where they're seeing a team for the second time, BYU, and it'll be Cincinnati, it'll be West Virginia. You couldn't have two more different games than that first BYU game and the second one. Yeah, but and the funny thing is, is that for us, the luxury with how we play, the blueprint is always going to be the same. The looks are going to be different, but our blueprint to win is going to be relatively the same. Like we got to really strap up on defense. We got to impose our will phys physically getting to the free throw line. And then, of course, like if we could just make a few more shots, like all of those games that we lost, we would have won. I've heard Coach Dawkins say, you know, and the players, you want to keep building, right, and getting better and play your best basketball here throughout February into March, right? But isn't that what every coach is saying? Aren't they trying to get better? You're just matching what other teams are trying to do in terms of playing your best basketball at the end. I mean, yeah, that's the goal. And the thing is, is only a handful of teams can actually do it. So that's what everybody's trying to do. That's what every coach is preaching, but it's who can execute uh, will really – you know, kind of tell who who really took it to heart and, and implemented. Um, March is the goal. You want to be playing late into March. And the second half of the season is when you really see who you are. Do you feel like the team has gotten better in the second half of the season or have they stayed around the same? I think they've gotten better. Like they're figuring things out. It's just the competition also has gotten a lot better, right? Like their scouting reports are way better. They're not giving up shots. They're really trying their best to make us shoot threes. Um, everybody knows our blueprint is to pick you up and try to turn you over. So they're trying to do the opposite. So, you know, it's really just execution, like who can impose their will and impose what they're trying to do on the other team. And that's just pretty much who wins. Yeah. And back to back losses, obviously tough losses. Do you see the next game against Cincinnati as a must win, especially with dwindling tournament hopes? <laughs> the crazy thing is, is before we even got into the second half, one thing I noticed for every team, you can come up with probably 10 reasons why it's a must win, right? Like nobody's undefeated. Nobody's just like, hey, man, I got games to play with. Like every spot is decided by one or two wins. <laughs> Everybody knows you have to protect home court. And every team is really, really good. So Cincinnati, this is a must win for them. This is a must win for us. It's pretty much <laughs> must wins all the way, all the way out. So, you know, it's what we asked for. But to answer your question, yes. It is definitely a must win for us. So then by default, does that mean it's a knockout game for the loser? No, no. The luxury, I mean, we have so many more games left. Like it's too early to say it's a knockout game. But now that we are creeping to the second time playing teams, uh, each loss makes what you have to do to overcome it that much harder. But we do have a chance to overcome some more losses. That's just the luxury. Of course, the Knights have to protect the home court, right? They they struggled yeah. there on the road, and they, they got to get the home uh, court. Talk about Cincinnati. Uh, what did you think of them in that, that first uh, matchup with the Knights? They were exactly who we thought they were. <laughs> um, they didn't really do anything special. They didn't shoot the ball crazy well. They just attacked the glass and, and really drove the ball. Um, we only scored what 59 points that game. Like we just shot it so horribly that we didn't give ourselves the, the best chance to win. Um, it'll be a lot different look when the, cause now they have the kid Victor Lankin back. Um, so that really changes a lot with the seven foot pick and pop four. So there'll be a lot different offensively and defensively, but um, their style of play, I think will be the exact same. Um, we're just, we got to, we really need to get a little more from Ibrahim over these next two games.
Yeah. And seeing it from a, a fans and journalists perspective, seeing a comeback happen like the one against BYU where they slowly start chipping away at the lead and then next thing you know, they're down by 10, down by five. What is it like from a coach's perspective, seeing your players get momentum, start to flow, starting to hit all their shots? What's, what's going on on the bench and on the court? Uh you probably, I think it probably makes you more mad <laughs> um, because you're like, why are we starting so bad? Like, why can't, what you pretty much obsessed with is why can't we replicate that longer? Um, so you almost probably rather have like, we just weren't good enough or like <laughs> they were just kind of a little bit better. Like we've shown that we have what it takes to win the game. And that as a coach, I think eats at you. And you're pretty much just purely focused on why can't I replicate that or why can't I get these guys to replicate that for a longer period of time? Not even the 40. I mean, you'll probably take an extra minute when you lose by two. Yeah. And you said Ibrahim Diallo needs to perform. He needs to be the guy to step up. He was quiet last game. What, what's what's going on? What, what Do you think the injury is playing an effect on him? Uh, I don't I don't want to re rest on that. Um, to say that's the reason. Um, I think it's really, he just kind of lost the flow a little bit. I think he was naturally getting touches. And again, we're playing team second time around. Uh, they're like, we don't want that. We know that's a core part of their offense and something that we try to do, especially to open up games. So teams are taking that away. I mean, they're really just letting us shoot a lot. Like they're really packing the lanes. Um, so for everybody, we're getting adjusted to what their new looks are. So the only person that's really getting contested pretty far out is Jalen. Um, but everybody else, they're kind of sagging off. So it's kind of coming to grips with the new looks that you're you're pretty much going to see now that they have a little bit tighter of a scouting report against us. Yeah. During Thursday's media availability, I asked Coach Dawkins if he's noticed, uh, as much as he talks about composure, the team responding better in a road environment. And he felt that he had, especially with the way they started on the road at Kansas State. Have you noticed that? Uh, there are, of course, some moments, and it's tough playing on the road, but I feel like the team is better adjusted to the big-time venues that they're playing in and the, and the raucous crowds. Oh, most definitely. I mean, they're showing the fight. I think that's the thing. Like, as a fan, like, you you never really have been able to walk away from games and say, man, we just really didn't give it our all. Like, these guys are really playing hard. It's just at this level, that's not all it's going to take to take you over take you over the hump. Like, these guys are good, and they're also playing hard. So I, I really – have been proud of the resiliency they've showed, especially on the road, like getting down and coming back, uh, especially against BYU. I mean, we got down, came back, then they kind of pushed it back to 10 or 12. And that's typically the breaking point for a lot of teams when you are trying to claw back. So I was really happy that they continue to push, but it's, you know, always just trying to get that extra play because that's all it takes in this conference. We've been talking about Cincinnati, but the night's just home for the one game and then go on the road Tuesday at West Virginia, which a lot of people looked at that game on the schedule and said that could be an opportunity for the Knights to win. Uh, West Virginia has struggled, but even they have pulled out some wins you might not have expected. There's no cakewalks. I mean, this is the epitome of like a tournament environment where you really, truly need to do any and everything possible to win one game and then go on to the next one because the, the way it happens is going to be completely different. But the goal is the same. Just do what needs to be done just to squeak out one win at a time because nobody's really getting blown out or handled. I mean, it might happen here or there, but everybody's playing close games. You mentioned that teams are clogging the lanes, and it's evident they are. That's why they have been unable 
to attack the basket. Why many fans are complaining, like, why are they settling for threes? Because that's what they're giving them. What does UCF need to do to get the lane unclogged, to get the paint open? <laughs> I mean, Except for hitting their shots. I mean, like, yeah, I mean it's really that simple, though. It, it is legitimately that simple, right? So we all know, I mean, as a player, you come into games, you always know what the scouting report is, but you always know you have to be ready to abandon it. So if I come into this game and I say, coaches always said like, yo, this guy can't shoot. And then he stands in front of me and just keeps missing. It's like, oh, he definitely can't shoot. But let him make one or two. You're like, okay, can't shoot. But now let me be on edge. Let me get out there a little quicker. Because I, I personally, as a basketball player, just don't want to let anybody just make shots while I'm standing here. So we just need somebody to just kind of sporadically make one. Like we just, that's what we would look for from a, a Nils and a Chi Chi. Like those are the guys that I look at to say like, Hey, you guys can more than you're used to have that, that trigger finger ready, like be ready to shoot it. Cause we need that. Cause they're really, really just packing the lanes on us. And when we're able to make a shot, we are able to get to the free throw line down the stretch and all of those other things. Yeah. And, the team's identity is defense. There's no doubt about that. And hard notes defense too, making sure the team work, the opposing team works for every basket that they get. What have you not seen on defense? Well, I mean, what have you seen on defense that you don't like that much particularly? I mean, is there anything that you feel like they can get better on defensively? Stop fouling. That's what we <laughs> could get better defensively. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, I mean, fouling negates hustle is the old basketball saying, right? Like I could play great D for the entire 29 seconds. And then the guy shoots a three, like we saw against BYU. I stand underneath them like Chi Chi did. And then they call a foul and then they get four free throws or three free throws. It's like, if we can just remain solid all the way through the possession, and that means to the rebound, we will be successful. That's been our Achilles heel is like we're forcing guys into tough spots. And I know it's because we're playing so hard and playing so fast, but we just bail them out sometimes. And those are just coming up to be like the, the separating points, right? Like those are, we're getting more shots. We're turning teams over and then they win because they make more free throws. Yep. Ben, as we approach the two thirds mark of this schedule, if you had to say right now, who wins the regular season in the big 12? Oh, that's been such a tough one. I mean, it's been a week to week, but one that uh, I sadly want to say or will say is uh, Houston. I think Houston uh, has the makeup because nobody offensively has really shocked me. Um, and I, I think their their DNA defensively is, is something that will uh, bode well for them in the tournament and throughout the rest of the conference. All right, Ben. Want to see you back in a bow tie after a two and a week, a win over Cincinnati at home on a road victory at West Virginia. Ben Hazel, thanks for being with us again on Suns Live. Ben, I have one more for you. Yep. Does the contract oh, Andrew's deserve... rewriting the rules here now. <laughs> does the contract extension deserve to be on Johnny Dawkins' desk right now? Ooh. Ooh. Yes, it does. All right, that's for the phone. Boom. Yes, it does. I, I mean, we can go into the reasons why, but yes, it does. He got too much history to his name. It's a big name. Who are you going to get to take his spot? Like, I mean, you got a Hall of Fame head coach that's got some of the best wins in UCF history, some of the best seasons in UCF history, got a really good recruiting class, but we can go on about that next time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Andrew. All right. Thanks, Ben. See you next week. <laughs> See you later. How about you throwing in a question? That's a provocative question right there. I know, a bit controversial, but who doesn't live for some controversy? This you know? is true. Um, another ticket giveaway. Do. 
Andrew. Uh, another ticket giveaway, giving away a pair of tickets to Saturday's game against Cincinnati, four o'clock uh, at the arena. Again, courtesy of Tony Fudo at OJT FEUDZ on uh, on the Twitter. Uh, just send a uh, screen capture of your five star review of the Sons of UCF. DM it to me at SignPez, and uh, we'll. Uh, have an opportunity to get those tickets. I want to thank Tony. Uh, he'll be giving out tickets from time to time when he can't make a game. So appreciate that from him. All right. Uh, we mentioned who might win the regular season. We're approaching that two thirds mark. Uh, you know, twelfth game for UCF on uh, on Saturday. Let's check in with Jeff Allen now in our Big Twelve report. There's a tie atop the standings in Big 12 men's basketball. Houston and Iowa State lead the leaderboard at eight and three. Baylor and Texas Tech are seven and four, just a game back. And Kansas, who got throttled by 29 by the Red Raiders, is half game back of them at seven and five. That leads into this weekend's college basketball schedule in the Big 12. Those Red Raiders taking on number 10 Iowa State. That'll be a noon tip on ESPN Plus. TCU takes on Kansas State, 12 o'clock on ESPNU. Texas battles number three, Houston, one o'clock on CBS. Number 19, BYU, fresh off their two-point victory over the UCF Knights, takes on Oklahoma State, two o'clock on ESPN+. The six-ranked Kansas Jayhawks take on number 25, Oklahoma, four o'clock on ESPN. And 12th-ranked Baylor is on the road at West Virginia, six o'clock on ESPN2. Meanwhile, the UCF Knights try to get revenge on the Cincinnati Bearcats, who beat them in the Queen City recently. The Knights have a home date this time around with Cincy, 4 o'clock on ESPN+. With your Big 12 Minutes, I'm Jeff Allen. Jeff Allen, always so smooth. Uh, Andrew, the question I asked of Ben, at this point, the two-thirds point, who do you think wins the regular season? I got to agree with Ben. It's got to be Houston. I mean, they have the complete team. Everybody thought Kansas initially, but we see Kansas not the team that everyone they made out to be. They're still an excellent basketball program, still an excellent team with an excellent coach, but they seem not to be as consistent as they have been in past years. Houston has been building on consistent success, and watching that UCF game very closely, not that UCF is the top talent in the Big 12, it seems like Houston did everything correctly. By the way, Ben texted me, uh, Andrew, with the hard-hitting questions. So you're keeping Ben on his toes. You've, you've come prepared. Journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Big J, journalism. Before we welcome in our next guest that cover Cincinnati here in a moment, how much fun have you been having this basketball season? Uh, you know, there weren't high expectations, but it has been a fun ride. The, the home games have been great. I mean, I feel like mo we're, uh, UCF has already passed the expectations that everybody expected on the season. Four conference wins through, excuse me, I forgot the date. But four conference seasons this late, I mean, how how can you have asked for more? This is a team that was expected to do nothing. I mean, they didn't even finish top of the AAC last uh, last season. So everybody has had, they had UCF ranked at number 14, had them ranked dead last, worst team. And they've came out and beat some of the top talent in the Big 12. What more could you ask for? So it's been absolutely fantastic. It's been a ride, and we're here for it. While we uh, wait for our guests to get into the green room, just uh, let fans know the the way you handle a game. You're you're out there early. You're shooting a, a video that you post up on Twitter, and and you stay busy throughout the entire game. 
Oh, absolutely. So say the game starts at seven, which most of them usually do. I'm in the arena around six o'clock. I go to the back room, maybe grab a little bite. It uh, depends. If it's, if it's Pizza Hut, I'm not I'm not eating it. But <laughs> <laughs> but I go out and then I go onto the court. I go courtside. I pull out my tripod. I try to be as independent as I can. I got my whole portable setup and I just start shooting video. Usually on a great day, it's one take. Sometimes the crowd noise is a little bit too loud or sometimes something throws me off and may, maybe take two or three times. But with repetition, it will be one time all the time. And then we go upstairs. Oh, actually, I had switched my routine a little bit. So usually I used to go upstairs uh, at the reporter at the reporter table and I would stay for like five or ten minutes and then go down and record some film. But as of late, I have been staying courtside uh, all the way through the first half since the beginning of the first half. And that's when I usually find most of the best moments happen because, you know, talking to RG3. You see what Matt says right there, talking to RG3. That's that's my guy. That's why he loves UCF. We love him. (laughs) But um, so I usually find most of my best clips and best video early in the game when the fan energy is the most and players are playing with their 100% energy straight out the gate so it's fantastic and then usually around halftime i do another uh post uh i do a halftime wrap where i get on the camera give a little bit of analysis and then i go upstairs uh do some reporting you know i'm active on twitter all game so if anybody is is not missing the is is missing the game i'm not so especially if it's at home so i'm getting all the tweets up and then after the game we head down we go to the conference room with johnny and we go speak with some players. It's the diff- it's different depending on win or loss. Sometimes with the win, you get better answers, of course, learning. My first <laughs> yeah. my first time after a loss, I saw the players' attitudes. I'm like, I don't want to ask anything. Uh, I, I'm scared they're gonna leave the room on me. So, but over time, and this is this is my first year doing it. So, but over time, I've learned, and it's been getting generally easier. And then after the press conference room, Trace puts me on a timer. He says, "Go, go, go!" Now I gotta get that camera out write my stuff and then get right back on cam. And that's what you see on YouTube, all of that. Plus, and then I send it to Adam and he gets, he does, he puts the beautiful edits together. And then that's, that's the final product right there. But talking to RG3 is a key part of it. That's it, it makes my day. <laughs> you left out hanging out with me at the media table. That is true. You that's, know what? That's the highlight for me. I'm not down talking to RG3. Uh, so the highlight no, for me I'm, is talking to you. My most fun moments have been with you. We're having a, we're having a wholesome moment on the UCF live show right now. We're having, we're, uh, uh, some of my best moments have been, we, we, we joke around a lot, especially at the table. So it's fun, but it's always serious as well. Always getting tweets out. Honestly, Trace likes to talk to me more. I'm like, Trace, leave me alone. I'm tweeting. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not busy on Twitter during the game like you are. So I'm just talking to you. <laughs> I don't realize at times you're really trying to pay attention to what's going on and you're, you're providing those updates at each of the media absolutely, timeouts. Absolutely. Are you ready for baseball now? Uh, that's a different animal in terms of coverage. It is. It is. I mean, one of the biggest things that's going to be, I would think, a challenge for myself is at basketball, I'm recording almost every possession because it's so fast paced. It's so you never know what's going to happen. I'm tweeting one second. I see Jalen Sellers with the steal. He's coming down the court at full pace. I'm like, oh, oh, crap. I got to get my camera out. And then I get my camera and then I get like the last second of the dunk, which sucks sometimes. But it's going to be different this because there's so many plays in baseball. So I'm preparing myself to know the big plays, you know, recording in terms of when there's a two men on base and a guy in scoring position, you know, stuff like that. That's going to be different. And going throughout the series, you know, it's basketball games. 
twice a week. This is going to be three times in three days, you know, and maybe not this weekend. Double headers. Before we get to baseball, let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the Cincinnati game. Let's welcome in Justin Hiles, part of Viva La Cats pod. He was most recently with us covering and talking about the UCF and Cincinnati game. Justin, welcome back into Suns Live. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk about these Bearcats. They've lost two straight now. We talked to our analyst, Ben Hazel, earlier. That feels like must win. Yeah, I think there's no really other way to put it. Let's be honest. I mean, this is a game that the Bearcats are in dire need of. Um, you know, coming off of a great win on the road at Texas Tech, uh, we were expecting that could at least keep it close, but hopefully maybe split between Iowa State and Houston. Unfortunately, drop both. Um, some pretty big opportunities, and the uh, window for the tournament is closing pretty quick. So UCF seems like the best time to make up for that. Um, still, I believe it's going to be a quad one, if not quad two game. So um, should be good for the Bearcats if they can manage to get a win there. Why did Cincinnati win when UCF played them there a couple of weeks ago? What was the deciding factor in your opinion? I think it's hustle. Like, I mean, I just want to put it out straight. I think it's just hustle because they really found a way after a pretty rough first half to kind of stitch everything together. And I think it's just kind of on the back of, you know, trying to find somebody every single game, who's going to step up, who's going to be that guy. Um, and I really hope that, you know, for this time around, <clears throat> we can kind of get a few more of the guys going. It seems like we've really been relying a lot on Dan Skillings lately, um, you know, in the occasional, big game from John Newman, but, um, you know, it's, it's about who's going to step up in this game. Justin, UCF and Cincinnati, both four or seven in conference play. UCF's problem is starting off strong, uh, not starting off strong, I should say, and getting stronger in the second half. But by the time they, that happens, it's too late. What's going on with you guys? What do you feel like is your guys' problem in terms of winning and closing out games? Just about the same thing, I think. You know, I feel so like be no score for like seven minutes. This yeah. game off the top. <laughs> well, and I think we've struggled too. We've struggled a lot to just be able to keep, um, you know, we, we, we dig a, we dig a big hole going into the second half. And, you know, I think we do pull it pretty close by the time we get to halftime, but we spend so much time playing catch up in the first half that we have, uh, you know, three to five to six, seven point game at halftime when real realistically, if you take care of business a little bit earlier, don't start off so sloppy. It seems like every single game, they just have to like get in a rhythm. If you can sort of start off a little bit stronger, that'll help you much better in the second half. You can go into the half of the lead, but so many of these games, the Bearcats have been down and have to claw back. And it's a, it takes the entire second half. And I think they just have not been able to take advantage of some of those um, first half lulls from some of our opponents. Rivals, but so much alike. And yeah. you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Dan Skillings Jr. You said you guys are relying on him a little bit too much. But how special is it to have a player like him? He's having a good season. Your guys leading score. How special is it to have a guy to rely on like that? It's been great. I mean, you know, we were just talking about this this week. It's so nice that he's a sophomore. You know, he's got eligibility left. He's got time. He's budding at the right time. It's not like you're getting this kind of performance from a senior. Um, you know, last year we had a very senior-laden team with, you know, our two best guys being David DeJulius and Landers Nolly, but both of them were on their final year. And so while it was awesome that they were performing great, we had nobody else to step up. And now that I think this core is a lot younger, 
you do have some grads in there, but I think that you have that younger core. Now you can start to rely on it. And Dan has just been doing everything. Um, you know, in this uh, Iowa State game, we really couldn't get much from anybody. But uh, we I made this joke because Steve had brought up this point. All three of our bigs against Iowa State combined for 13 rebounds. Dan Skillings had 11 by himself, four wow. offensive rebounds. And I think to uh, 13 points as well. So, you know, gathering a double-double in a game where things were not going well, we had 25 turnovers against Iowa State. That's about as ugly as you could possibly imagine. Um, I think they're going to have a little bit of a come-to-Jesus moment after that game, and I'm hoping that they'll get right really fast. Um, But I think UCF is a good time to do it because it is a team that we are uh, pretty evenly matched with, and I would say that we've been performing a bit better um, you know, against some of these tougher teams. So we're just hoping that we can kind of pull everything together at the right time. Absolutely. Head coach, uh, Wes Miller, uh, with some post-game comments, uh, hates to lose. Um, what do you make of him? Do you like him? It's, it's one of those complicated <laughs> long things. pause. It's one of those complicated things because I really do like Wes. I like Wes a lot. Um, and I think it's one of the difficulties for a lot of fans is we want to see this payoff, especially after having so many years off. And especially with the expectation is at Cincinnati, you're in the tournament every year. It's not like, a oh, we hope we get back. Like the expectation is to be there. And so the fact that we've missed it now for four seasons on end, the the stretch has gone long enough. And, you know, it sucks because the, uh, the last time that we were really close and a season actually that I'd say that this feels really similar to was that 2019, 2020 season where the tournament got canceled by COVID. Um, this season is very similar. There was a lot of overtime games. I think we tied the NCAA record that season for overtime games. We've had so many close, close matchups, but of course we're playing against better competition. Um, and I think that Wes has done a really good job when you look at last year to this year the jump has been really, really impressive with a lot of the same guys, but even with some of these transfers, we've done a pretty darn good job. Um, you know, I think Wes has done a fantastic job so far, but he has also not necessarily played up to expectation in some of these big games. However, like I said, he's made a big jump, and I think that expecting all of that to happen at one time overnight is a little bit too much. Uh, for people to kind of hang on to. And I think he'll get there. It's just not necessarily going to be this year, but there's still a great opportunity for us to make the tournament. If we can just get a couple more wins in the right places. Do you miss Mick Cronin? No, (laughs) no, (laughs) that was a quicker answer. No, absolutely not. I mean, Mick definitely had, um, you know, his moments good and bad as everybody knows. Um, But I think the thing with Mick that we noticed the biggest difference here is, Wes is young and hungry and Mick was seasoned, but he wasn't really willing to do the work and he wasn't willing to use the Cincinnati brand name in the way that people know it can be used to get guys here. Granted, we have the NIL now. We've now got Jordan under the belt, Nike. You know, it's kind of a lot more energy that's good instead of Under Armour in the American. You've got Jordan in the Big 12. It's a big difference. However, Wes really knows how to recruit young guys. He is very much a player's coach, similar to Mick. Their styles are very different, but he's much more close, I think, with his players. And he's much more honest, and he's able to take the brunt of the criticism, and he doesn't throw it on his players. Mick Cronin did that all the time, and it drove people nuts because 
It's like, well, eventually talent wins out. Yes, but coaching can do a lot. And I think Mick didn't always coach to win. I think Wes does some very good job, does a very good job coaching. I think sometimes we're still just running into that talent gap with the Big 12 so far this year. Let's wrap up with this one. Uh, Cincinnati gets out of Orlando with a victory. If what happens? <clears throat> Let's put it this way. Um, Victor Locken has been a very, very non-factor for the past six games. He started off um, about 12 plus points a game. He was averaging close to 30 minutes a game in that early stretch of the Big 12. Um, he has scored four baskets in the last six games. He was the go-to player, and he has become bottom of the depth chart and in no time at all after the flu. Whatever has happened with him, if he can hit a 180 here, if he can just get his confidence going, do something, I think that UCF is expecting that it's probably going to be Jamil Reynolds or Aziz Bandego that's going to be doing some of the work down low. If Victor Locken can kind of come back into his own and do what he's made to do, I think that that will make a huge difference, but it's really, really just going to rely on the bigs. I think that's what that's what happened last time. And also, if we could foul out Diallo uh, in six minutes again, that'd be great. <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen again. <laughs> uh, Justin Isles uh, with Viva La Cats, coverage of Cincinnati Athletics, part of the 1012 Network. We appreciate you carving out a few moments sure, to too. talk with us. It's time for us to avenge uh, on Saturday. Though. Hopefully not. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Going to be a good one Saturday at four. Don't forget, DM me your uh, screen capture of your five-star review and uh, have a chance to, to get some tickets. Uh, it's that time for some news and notes. Uh, My name is Shannon Doherty. Let's go around the kingdom. Shannon Doherty off to a good start uh, for uh, UCF softball. Uh, softball uh, with a five and one record. They defeated Liberty on Wednesday night, seven uh, to five. Uh, so off to a good start. They've got the one loss uh, to UConn on Saturday, uh, and now they go on the road. They've got the uh, Clearwater Invitational for five games. That includes a game with UCLA Sunday on ESPN at six o'clock. They're on the big network. Uh, for that one. Other games, uh, North Carolina, weather pending, of course, uh, they may have some of the same weather system that we'll have in Central Florida. They've got games with North Carolina, Kentucky, Northwestern, uh, Wisconsin, and of course, UCLA. So uh, big uh, weekend tournament for uh, women's softball. Uh, women's basketball, uh, they had beaten Texas Tech over in Lubbock, uh, but then they lost, Andrew, to uh, BYU. Uh, sounds familiar, right? Uh, they lose that one 64 60 nights now, three and ten. Uh, they are at Kansas State Saturday and then uh, Wednesday at Oklahoma State. And I, I posted this on Twitter, it's a UCF Mike favorite. Way too early, uh, Andrew. Uh, prediction from Brett McMurphy of the Action Network Knights, a 15 and a half point favorite in uh, the Boca Raton Bowl over Marshall. Uh, it's February, by the way. I, I, that doesn't sound like a matchup. <laughs> that it will be. And, and Brett McMurphy, I think, likes to be provocative. Uh, <laughs> I hope it. not. Marcia was yeah. not the goal. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is not where you want to be. I mentioned it earlier, Eric Lopez covering UCF softball, a great voice of the, uh, the Knights. Uh, he and I mix it up every week on Around the Kingdom. Here's a little flavor of this week's show you can find right now on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. So how do you feel about uh, eight and a half? It's, I think it's a good number to set for UCF. I think it's a fair number. I think it's a good number to play with. If you're a cynic, 
Trace, you're going to pick the under eight and a half, right? Because you're always talking about eight and four. That that would get the under. Uh, until he proves otherwise, Gus starts the year with four losses. Starts the year with four starts, losses. He's eight and four. That's the best thing. You're not even do. waiting. You're not even waiting. Um, Going with the uh, under eight and a half. Andrew, I'm not uh, I'm not backing off of that. Been a good week, not only with Around the Kingdom, of course, Suns Live, you being a part of that, but Adam and Mike Scorn, just a tremendous interview. Did you know who Kirk Spearaw was when you uh, when you saw that that was the guest? Did you did you know that he'd been head coach of the Knights for 17 seasons, four NCAA tournament appearances under Kirk Spearaw? Did you know your UCF history? Trace, I'm uncultured in UCF history, and I'm going to get some tomatoes thrown at me for this one, but no, I did not. I did not, and it was great. Let's get a little of that clip from uh, former UCF head coach Kirk Spiro. You know, and of course you got John Calipari, who he was coaching UMass when we met them in 96. So John and I go back a little bit. And one of the first, that first summer that we were moving into the, um, into Conference USA, I was recruiting a kid um, in a summer workout up in Memphis. So I flew into Memphis and rental car. They gave me a minivan. So I'm driving a minivan recruiting, going to this high school to see this kid, uh, you know, and uh, he was about a six, five, four man, you know, somebody that we had a chance to maybe get. Um, and as I'm pulling in, who pulls in nose to nose on the other other parking spot right in front of me? is a Porsche and John Calipari's climbing out of his Porsche while I'm climbing out of my minivan. <laughs> it doesn't matter the era. There's always been recruiting disadvantages for UCF a minivan. I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it wrap it up perfectly? That, that just in itself. It does. Uh, before we uh, get to the mailbag, uh, a little more football, uh, I asked uh, my Twitter poll, uh, grade the uh, Knights defensive line in 2023. Uh, what grade would you have given them? Uh, I thought I was surprised by 11% saying D or F, but most, uh, nearly half, fell into the B category. I feel like B is fair uh, for B, the defensive line. B is fair. I could have went with C as well, but I think I'll go with B. I'm being a little bit nice today. But, I mean – not only is it on the linebackers to stop the run, but it's also on the defensive linemen to clog the holes. And UCF gave up the most rushing yards in the Big 12 last season. That's not going to make you go over 8.5 wins. So you definitely need to improve that. And hopefully they did this offseason. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, your favorite segment, I think that's what you texted me. You said Clay's Corner is your favorite. You said Clay was growing on you, uh, I think. Is Clay's what you said. Corner is that, is Enthusiast. That? That's what it is. <laughs> you hear that, Clay? An enthusiast. Uh, he's been reviewing game by game the 2023 season. This week, we take a look at that two-point loss, 31-29 at Oklahoma. Meant a lot to Knights fans who made that trek, of course, to uh, to Norman, wanted to see him uh, beat uh, Dylan Gabriel. Where's Dylan now? Oh. Oregon. Um, this uh, loss, of course, dropped the Knights to 0-4 uh, in the Big 12. Let's, uh, let's see if Clay can do this in under two minutes. Ever have trouble remembering the games? You know, it's been a long season. Can't really blame you if you do. Do you not have three hours to devote to go watch the entire game? I'm going to summarize UCF's entire game in about one and a half to two minutes. Week 8 against Oklahoma. A couple three outs later, and JRP gets sacked on third down. Sock boy Dylan Gabriel completes a nice pass for a touchdown to put the Sooners up seven. 
RJ Harvey takes matters into his own hands and goes on a nice stroll, almost into the end zone. JRP being the honorary running back he is, quarterback keeps into the end zone, tie game. UCF gets the ball back and JRP drops this nice dime to Kobe Hudson. Xavier Townsend juggles the ball, but still gets a nice gain. End up settling for three anyway. Sockboy gets his receiver wide open for another Oklahoma touchdown. JRP responds by jumping over the haters to catch Javon Baker wide open. Although no weird cryptic tweets this time, he does blow a kiss to Brent Venables. Oklahoma kicks a field goal before the half. Dylan Gabriel misses UCF so much that he kindly gives the ball to Quadric Bullard. Colt Boomer booms it in for three. Javon Baker reaches to the youth and sucks this nice ball in for a great gain. I keep forgetting that this is before the dark times, so we had no doubts trusting Colton Boomer to get us points. Dylan Gabriel gets sacked so hard that Malachi Lawrence's helmet comes off. A UCF three and out later, and Oklahoma's Cooper Cup gets them a nice touchdown. We get the ball back, but JRP ends up getting sacked on third down. Using UCF's biggest weakness, running up the middle, Oklahoma finds themselves another touchdown to make the score 31-23. We get the ball back, and on 4th and 10, we complete this pass to Jalen Baker to tie the game up. Yep, and all we have to do is complete this two-point conversion. A backwards pass, looking for the double pass. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was just as painful. I like the way that just abruptly ended. Why? Why was he going that direction? Remember I asked then-offensive coordinator uh, Darren Henshaw, um, why did you take the ball out of the hands of your, your quarterback on that play? Uh, it did not work. And not only that, but Xavier Townsend may have went the opposite direction of his dominant hand, which would have yeah. been a cross-body throw. It's very bad, yeah. very bad. We, 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 we skipped those days. All right, if Brian W. Peterson is watching now, just sit down, okay? There's a change in the segment, uh, courtesy of our friend Dolly Drama. So it's a mailbag. So what? So what? Do you know whose mailbag that is? It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. Oh, hell yeah. I just knew Brian was going to be upset when his mug didn't start off the segment, but you got it. You got it in there. Uh, I, I love that. You know, I, I miss Adam for many reasons. Not that I have not enjoyed spending this hour with you, Andrew, but he's so good at working the StreamYard platform, but he, he showed me the buttons. I think it's time for that. There we go. There we go. Oh, that needs to be an eight. That needs to be underneath. All right. <laughs> I am Rob6719. What does the W stand for in Brian W. Peterson? Uh, Winston. I think that's it. What do you think? We agree on Winston? Brian, why are we not wearing gold Peterson? <laughs> Yours is better. At Golden Knight underscore the second. Hypothetically, if UCF ever made it to the college football national championship game, what's the most money that you would spend per ticket to go? That's such a good question. That came in late from Golden Knight. Um, I spent 150 for UCF Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl in 2013. Um, I still want to, one of my, I'm not a big bucket list guy, but I want to get to a Premier League game at some point, and you'd be hundreds in for that. 250, maybe 250, I'd say. Oh, goodness. I, I, ah, 250. I'm a broke college student, so I'm going to go for the sons of UCF credential. That's my way in. <laughs> That's a good answer. At Riley Carey, 16. Would you want Gus to move Randy Pittman to wide receiver knowing he might not get much playing time between Fox and the two transfers? Mm. Uh, go first. What was that? You go first. Oh, uh, no, no. I, I I think 
you you got to work Pittman into the game though. So uh, he's an athlete. I, I want to see what else he can do, but uh, not necessarily. I just would like to see them get more production out of the tight end position. I would say around the same. I mean, he's more of a receiving tight end than a tight than a blocking tight end, so that makes sense. But also, there's a reason why he's not playing receiver, and we have receivers on the roster. So that that just answers itself. He's not as mobile as a receiver. Uh, it's Scott eight eight five one three. Which team has a better chance of making it to the World Series, softball or baseball? Softball. Softball, absolutely. I mean, they have stars on their team. Now, at M underscore M and UCF. When was the last time UCF baseball threw a no hitter? I posed that question to Michael at Emptiness Four, our newest columnist at Sons of UCF, and he said 2008. It was combined. Mitch Houck and Austin Hudson combined for that no no for the Knights. At two letters, two words, Robert, does UCF basketball deserve more positive attention from the fans, local media, and the institution? Uh, Robert, you may not know this, the media availability on Thursday featured Brandon Helwig of UCSports.com, yours truly, and uh, Nick from the Banneret. No television crews uh, and no other media presence. So I think that may answer that question. At the SOTG, what's the best place for Dawkins haters to hide? Texas. <laughs> uh, at underscore all night underscore. What does UCF have to do to make the NCAA tournament? Are we okay or satisfied with a trip to the NIT? See, it's funny how the expectations game has changed on that. Uh, we thought it was eight wins. They're four and seven now. Seven games left. Do the math. <laughs> they got to go four and three. Uh, back to that Cincinnati, West Virginia. Be nice to go two and zero oh on this trip. Absolutely. Uh, on this, this week. Agree. Completely agree. Yeah. Are we going to win another basketball game? Asked yeah. at Cass City J. Yes. There, yes. No question about that. If you began yeah, the season and you asked that question, there was an if. But now that we've seen what they've got, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got uh, uh, at 2ZS. Will EA College Football call us Central Florida and will it have the space game? <laughs> I mean, as a as an avid NCAA football player myself, I hope they don't call us Central Florida. That would be terrible. I would hate that, but you can't be surprised. Prepare thyself. You can't you can't be surprised. It's EA, and EA does very questionable decisions. And space game, and I hope so, but we're not going to get it. It's you're, you're expecting too much from EA. <laughs> Uh, we will wrap up the uh, mailbag segment with at UCF. Valens, Valentine's Day candy hearts, sweet treat or taste like chalk? Hmm. That's a good one. They Actually, taste like chalk. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, I haven't had one in a really long time, but they do. There's no expiration date. Whatever they didn't sell this Valentine's Day, they can just box up and bring out a year from now. Yeah, it's absolutely. like pets. Yeah. I want to thank everybody. Let me let me end that Brian W. Peterson uh, music there. Uh, that, uh, I want to thank everybody for the excellent, excellent questions from uh, from Night Nation uh, again this week. Uh, you know, we debuted this last week. Uh, what's in the box? And and even though Adam is on assignment, he's got a question for us, Andrew. It's time for what's in the box. Brought to you by Charlie Hustle. TEN1215 gets you 15% off all non-sale items. All right, folks, here's what I need to know from you. Greeting card holidays. Yes or no? What's the, uh, what's the protocol on greeting card holidays? We support these. How should they be handled? Night Nation awaits your answer.
So what are we call, uh, classifying as greeting card uh, holidays? Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, oh. Father's Day, right? They're just they're just made up days, right? I mean, just to send candy and cards and flowers yeah. and stuff like, like that. Teasers all the way up until like the good holidays. <laughs> teasers until the good holidays. I like that. Well, what do you think? What's the protocol? Are, are, did you participate uh, in these holidays? You get your family cards on these dates? Um, I didn't get my family Valentine's Day cards. Uh, so that is iffy, but we, we went out to eat, which was nice. Um, but for Father's Day and Mother's Day, absolutely. I make sure my mom and dad get the appreciation that they very much deserve. Uh, nice answer. All right, so what'd you think? You were nervous. You were nervous at Dolly with the great job, Andrew, on the screen. Appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate it. And you, 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 you want to come back? You want to fill in for me? I'll be on there. I've got a generous PTO bank uh, built into my new contract with the Sons of UCF. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. I had a great time. Thank you for having me on, of course. I was, as you, if you were watching the beginning of the show, I was nagging Trace for this moment. I was like, every, every basketball game, Trace, so when you gave me on the live, <laughs> so I, I I appreciate it and I had a fantastic time. Uh, I enjoyed reading all the comments. I'm still a Clay's Corner enthusiast, so I love that. And then Dolly, absolutely electric job on the edit. That was probably my best laugh today. We will be out at baseball Friday night against Brian. Don't forget, DM me, uh, screen capture your five-star review of Sons of UCF if you want either the baseball ticket Saturday or the basketball ticket Saturday. Uh, look for Andrew and I at the media table. Uh, on the concourse at baseball. It's a six o'clock start against Bryant. And and then, I don't know, we'll see what they announce in terms of the weather schedule and whether they're moving games uh, for baseball, but we'll be back at it on basketball. Remind folks of your Twitter handle. You've got it on screen where they can find you for all your great coverage. Andrew underscore Cherico, like Trey said, I do basketball, baseball, and hint, hint, football might be coming. So just stay on the lookout for that. Wow, you want the live show? You're all over the YouTube channel. We uh, failed to I mention Michael, but I want to give a shout out to Christy St. Bill, who's uh, who pinch hit for both of us. You had a class conflict. I had work travel, went to Baseball Media Day. Her interviews from Baseball Media Day are up now. She's going to be covering softball for us. So I've already done uh, some on-cam stuff for us. Uh, no doubt she'll be angling for her live show opportunity again. She did a great job joining us from the home opener of softball last week. No doubt follow Christy Sainville on Twitter or X, whatever they call it now. She has been doing an absolutely fantastic job for her first time doing it as a softball journalist. So definitely keep giving her support and keep going to her for your updates. And mention that she's one of your recruits. So you recruited yes, her into the... Into yes, the she, um, I had the same journalism class as her and we were sharing, we were talking about sports interests. She's like, I love softball. So that's how that happened. And then I said, perfect. That's great. And then we got in contact. Me, Trace, and her had a nice lunch, and it happened from there. There you go. There you go. All right. We wish Adam safe travels. We will see him at this spot next week. Andrew Cherico, thank you for being a part of Suns Live. I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights. Let's see who ends the show for us, Andrew. Evan Morris, tight end. Thank you for watching Sons of UCF. Fantastic. Who scored that? Who, who arranged that? Who got that? That was you, right? It was me. It was me. I, I was telling everybody. Real quick, before we start the interview, can you say thank you for watching the Sons of UCF? You know what that is right there? Good mentoring. Good <laughs> mentoring. You know, I don't give Trace's props enough. He has gotten me here today. So 
And now is the time to end the show on that high note. Thanks, everybody. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network.